Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder from J.C. Ryle, even now, that our prayers are not meaningless, they're not ineffective, but they come to you through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that he endorses our prayers, and so that as we come and ask for your blessing upon our time of worship this morning, as we come and ask for your blessing, as we look at your word together, you can indeed grant such a blessing through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we beg of you this morning, through Jesus Christ, Help us to understand your word better so that we can understand you better and understand ourselves better and so that we can serve you better in this dark world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's one of the truths of the Bible that we see again and again reminded to us is that by faith we can do amazing things, that by faith people can do incredible things. And we've been looking at people living by faith in Hebrews chapter 11 for some time now and seeing that if we trust in God, then incredible things can happen. And this is reminded to us from the Old Testament. We've seen as we've worked through Hebrews chapter 11 that again and again God's people have trusted in God and then God has done marvellous things through them. And we've come to verse 30 and following, and here the writer, the author of Hebrews, is basically saying, I have so many illustrations I could give you, but I can't pack them all in. And we actually believe that Hebrews could have been a sermon that has been written down. And so if you consider how long it would take to read from Hebrews chapter 1 to, through to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, and consider it would be a lengthy sermon, uh, the author here uh, of the sermon, the preacher, is basically saying, I could keep going, but I have to just give you a few last examples to encourage you to be people who live by faith. And so we see he starts to do this in verses 30. He, he, um, he'd previously been speaking about Moses, and now he comes to verse 30 and gives us a whole list of different ways that people have been living by faith for our encouragement. And so one of the first ones that's given to us in verse 30 is that by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. Uh, there in verse 30 we are reminded by the author of that marvellous event under Joshua where the people invaded the promised land and they marched around the city as we had read from us uh, from Joshua chapter 6 earlier marched around the city and the walls just came tumbling down how did that happen? it was by faith great deliverance through faith and then he goes on to give another example uh, that is related to that battle of Jericho verse 31 by faith the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient. We see this woman who lived in that city, and that city looked like it was going to be impenetrable. And why would you side with the Israelites? But she, by faith, sided with the Israelites. And so she survived herself uh, because of that faith that she had. And then he goes on to give some summary statements here. Uh, and he says himself in verse 32, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about... And then he gives a few names, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Uh, here we have a list of names from the Old Testament of people who lived by faith. And then as we look at what he says about these people in broad terms, we see the acts of deliverance that were granted to them and the way that they endured suffering. And so he goes on to say, who through faith, in verse 33, 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. And we know from these people, uh, from uh, when you look at back in the book of Judges, the book of 1 Samuel, and as you look at the prophets and the writings about them, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, that you see these things happening, that they were indeed people who through faith conquered kingdoms. Uh, you see Joshua, he conquered kingdoms uh, going in, and Jericho was just one of the battles uh, that he had. But there was also administration of justice by the judges in the Old Testament, and Samuel was a key example of that. Uh, the prophet Samuel, he was a judge as well, and he administered justice by faith. What else did these people do? Well, we see in verse 33, the second part, after the semicolon there, it says they gained what was promised, and it says, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Some other acts that were done by faith in the Old Testament that we see God who gave great deliverance to these people who believed. What were those acts? Well, shut the mouths of lions. Who's being spoken of there? Who interacted with lions and found that their mouths were shut? It was, of course, Daniel. Daniel was put into the lion's den and the lions weren't able to eat him. We know that they were able to eat people because they ate the people who uh, caused Daniel to go into the lion's den. But we see that Daniel trusted and was delivered from lions and quench the fury of the flames. That's not Daniel himself, but it's in the book of Daniel where we see that his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into a fiery furnace. And what happened? Someone else showed up, and they were there unharmed in that fiery furnace. Why did that happen? Because they were believers, because they had faith in God. And so they were delivered from the flames. And then we see that they also escaped the edge of the sword, as it says there in verse 34. Of course, many people escaped the edge of the sword. Uh, David is a clear example. David's name was mentioned in the list in verse 32. David is someone who was often, people were trying to kill him, including the king of Israel himself, King Saul. And David often got away at just the right moment. If he hadn't, uh, if God hadn't delivered him, he would have been easily killed by the sword. Uh, we also see in verse 34 that it says that these people, uh, their weakness was turned to strength. Um, and it's interesting how you, when you look at the judges, how weak they are in many respects. They're flawed heroes. They're not big guys that you think are going to take on the world and be able to uh, do great acts of deliverance. No, they're often very weak. And if you look at David himself, his early interaction with an enemy with an invading army. It's just a, a boy who goes up against a giant with a sling, and yet he's delivered because he trusts in the Lord. And then we also see, it says uh, there in the verse 34, that these are people who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Uh, if you read the book of Judges, you see this happening again and again. You see Gideon's tiny band of men. He's got this big army which isn't big in comparison to the Midianites. Uh, it's a multitude of Midianites who have invaded, uh, but it's cut down, paired back again and again to a band of 300 men, and yet they rout that army. Or another example is Barak, who's listed there in verse 32 as a person who did great acts by faith. Barak is, of course, the man who took on uh, an invading army and... How was the commander of that army beaten? It was by a woman with a tent peg. 
they actually killed the commander of the army with a tent peg. Now, if you don't know how that happens, I encourage you to go away and read the book of Judges this afternoon. Amazing act of deliverance, all by faith. And then it goes on to say that in verse 35, women received back their dead, raised to life again. And we see that in the Old Testament. There's two women, at least, that we are told of uh, that received back their dead. Elijah raised the widow of Zarephath's son in 1 Kings 17, and Elisha raised the Shunammite's son who died in 2 Kings chapter 4. By faith, these people were raised to life and given back to their mothers. So there's these great acts of deliverance that are done here in the Old Testament, and they're reminded to the readers of the New Testament. As they read this letter, they're reminded that God can do great acts of deliverance if people will trust in him. But then he goes on to speak of people who have endured great suffering by faith as well. So it's like all these great acts of deliverance are done up until this point. And then halfway through verse 35, the tone changes. And we see that people actually suffer for faith, but are still able to endure such suffering. Look with me at verse 35, where it says... Uh, Halfway through, so it says, women received back their dead, raised to life again. And then it says, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. And we know that this happens in the Old Testament as well, that people were indeed tortured. Um, We see that with someone like the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is a long book, but it has much to teach us, particularly about Jeremiah's faith, Jeremiah's strength in the midst of great suffering. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1, we read that when the priest, Pashur, son of Emmer, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, so this is someone who serves in God's temple, when he heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Here is one of God's prophets, and he is actually put in stocks at the Lord's temple for preaching, for prophesying, on God's behalf. But he was able to endure that. And of course, we see uh, that it wasn't just that they were tortured and imprisoned. It says in verse 36 that people, uh, some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. Uh, so we see that they faced jeers, that people insulted those who trusted in God. One of my favorite examples of this happening in the Old Testament of someone getting jeered for being one of God's people, is, of course, Elisha. Uh, Elijah, his, his boss, has uh, uh, ascended into heaven in a chariot of fire. And as he's going back, we read in 2 Kings chapter 2, as he, that's Elisha, was walking along the road, some youths came out of the town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head, they said. Go on up, you bald head. What are they doing? They're jeering someone who trusts in God. Now, those youths got their own in return. If you do not know what happened to them, I encourage you to go this afternoon and read 2 Kings chapter 2 and find out what Elisha did in response. But a warning for you, generally speaking, would be that if you jeer a prophet, watch out for bears as a result. Uh, You never know what God might bring along your path if you take on one of the people of God. But that's the case for those who trust in God. They often face jeers, insults, 
and yet they endure it as it comes at them. Also, we see in verse 36 uh, that people are put in prison, as I said before, and Joseph's a good example, who is mentioned earlier in Hebrews chapter 11. Of course, um, Jeremiah the prophet is often imprisoned. And then we go on to verse 37, that it says that other types of suffering that people of God have endured is that they were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. We see different ways that people died for trusting in God. Some were stoned. Um, uh, example of that is Zachariah, son of Jehoiada, priest under King Joash in the temple courts. I read this in my quiet times just a few weeks ago. Um, as we're coming to the end of the year, I finish up with Second Chronicles chapter 24, and it's awful. Zechariah, who was a great help to Joash, uh, so Jehoiada was a great help to Joash, but his son, Zechariah, ends up being stoned because Joash is happy for that to take place. Sword in two, we don't actually find out in the Old Testament, but um, there's a tradition that Isaiah, the prophet, was killed that way, that he was cut in two, and you can read an account of that if you like, but not in your Old Testament. Uh, we, of course, know that many people were put to the sword, many prophets, particularly under someone like Jezebel and Ahab, they were often killed by the sword, the different prophets of God. And then it goes on to say that they endured other types of suffering. Uh, verse 37, it says, They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Um, an example of people going about in that kind of clothing is, of course, the prophet Elijah, who was known uh, to be wearing uh, hairy garments, uh, different skins. Uh, and then it says in verse 38, The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Who lives in caves and holes in the ground? lives in the desert, the people who are being persecuted. They're trying to get away from people who will harm them. And we see examples of that in the Old Testament where Elijah flees to the desert. Um, another example of that same time period is Obadiah. He actually tells Elijah that he took a hundred of the prophets of God and hid them in two caves, 50 in each, because he knew that Jezebel was going to kill them and he supplied them with food and water. So we see these people who live by faith and often experience great acts of deliverance but also experience great persecution but can endure that suffering. They can endure that persecution. Now, why can they do this? Why can they endure such persecution? Why would they bother? Well, it's not because they get great reward in this life. And we see that in verses 39 and 40. It says, They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Yes, they got temporary acts of deliverance, but they didn't get perfect deliverance because, of course, they all died at some point. And some of them actually endured great suffering and then died. So it wasn't for perfect bodily health in this world. It wasn't for perfect holiness. If you read these guys, they're flawed characters. They all have their faults. It wasn't for any sort of benefit ultimately in this life, perfect benefit. Why did they live by faith then? Well, verse 40 tells us, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. These people looked forward to a time when they would be made perfect by God with the rest of his people. What is being referred to here in verse 40? What does it mean when it says God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect? Well, of course, it's the perfect bodily health that will one day come 
when we're raised with new resurrection bodies that can never experience sickness, that can never die. That is what these people were looking forward to. And of course, they were also looking forward to that time where they would have perfect spiritual health, where they would no longer be able to sin. And of course, that would come in the new age along with people like us who also trust in God. And so do you realise that you also can then live by faith today and experience great delivery and endure great suffering by faith so that one day you will get perfect bodily health and perfect spiritual health? Because, let's face it, the people of God are called to do things that can only be done by faith, that look ridiculous to those who are outside the Christian community. I mean, when you look at some of the acts that are here, they're absolutely ridiculous when you think about them. To walk around a city 13 times and expect the walls to come down, it is ridiculous. When you think of little David going forward with his slingshot against someone that nobody else in the army wanted to take him on, take on Goliath, it's ridiculous, it's crazy. And when Gideon goes with those 300 men against the 120,000 swordsmen of the Midianites. It's crazy. Like, why would you bother even going near them with 300 men, only 300 men? But they do so by faith. And it's the same for us today. Now, we're not called to get a band of 300 men and take on 120,000 people. There's no Goliath that you're meant to go up to with a slingshot. But as something as simple as trusting in God for deliverance from death. That looks ridiculous to people who are outside the Christian faith. Nobody comes back to life, they say. Why would you trust in a God to raise you from the dead? Particularly a God who you can't even see, he's an invisible God, and you only read about in a book that was written 2,000 years ago. You're absolutely crazy to think that you'll be raised to life one day through that method. Now, other people might believe in a God, but they think it's crazy to just do it all by faith. And they they invent vast schemes of religion and all these works that you have to do because it just can't be by faith. They don't remember the Battle of Jericho. And it was just by faith that the walls came down. It wasn't like they walked around and while they did it, they threw some big rocks at the Walls. No, they just walked around by faith. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to simply live by faith, that we trust that God's got it all taken care of and we'll one day be raised to life. And people just think that's crazy. I've got to do something. There's got to be some good work that I can do that will make me someone who God will raise to life one day. But this is what we're called to do. And if you're not a believer and you're here this morning, I encourage you to do so this morning because this is what the scriptures tell you to do. Live by faith and by faith alone. That's what the whole passage of Hebrews 11 has been telling us, that the righteous live by faith. It's all about trusting in God. Turn from your sins and start trusting in God today. Trusting in his son as a great high priest who pays for our sins. And one day then you will have a great act of deliverance come about in your life. You'll be delivered from the grave. And it'll all be by faith. I encourage you to do that today. And if you are a believer, I encourage you to continue to live by faith and strengthen your faith 
Now, how can you be stronger in your faith so that you can experience great acts of deliverance even in this world, as we see some people in the Old Testament did, or at least to be able to endure the great suffering that often comes against Christians? How do you strengthen your faith? Well, the author is trying to strengthen the initial faith of these believers by reminding them of people who have come in the past, people in the Old Testament, and how they lived, which should then give them encouragement to live by faith as well. And so if you're not gaining victories for God, and if you're not enduring suffering easily in this world for God, is it because you don't hear about the faithful from the scriptures? You don't hear about those who have gone before. You don't read your Old Testament. And so you can't be encouraged to be strong in the faith because you don't know what God has done in the past. This passage, verses 30 through to 40, although if you want to go further, you can go back to pretty much verse 1, they can be a good test case for you to how well you know your Old Testament. When you read verse 32, and it says, What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Do you know who those people are? Do you recognize the names and go, oh, yeah, I know that guy, and I know that guy, and I know exactly what happened with him, and yeah, 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 I know these people. Or are you sitting there going, Barak who? Jephthah? Oh, yeah, I know David, but Jephthah? Who's that guy? Gideon, oh, yeah, I know about his fleece, but what else did that guy do? It's a good test case for you as to whether you know your Old Testament. And don't just stop with your Old Testament. Read your New Testament as well. There are great acts of deliverance from God and great acts of enduring suffering in the New Testament as well that can be a great encouragement to you to continue to live by faith as well. Just look at the Apostle Paul. Read the book of Acts and you see the marvellous hand of God there. And that's an encouragement for you to continue to believe as well. So read your Bible, both Old and New Testament, if you want to be strong in your faith. Read about these people and be encouraged. Honestly, how is your Bible reading going? We just clicked over into a new year. So you've got 2016 behind you. How was 2016 in your Bible consumption? Were you happy about how 2016 went? Do you feel that you continue to learn more about God? and his word and yourself and what he has done in history? Or do you feel that you should have read your Bible more and that this year it should be different? How can it be different? Well, one way is to actually have a a plan to read your Bible. Work out a time of day and work out what you're going to read. What's the line? Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. No, fail to plan, yes, fail to plan, plan to fail. That's so much the case with Bible reading. If you think you'll do it when you get around to it and don't make a plan, it very often won't happen. Get a Bible reading plan. There are many out there. I've been using one for about 10 years at least now where it takes me through the whole Bible each year and it's been a great benefit to me to each day to be told where to go in the Bible. If you want one, see me afterwards. Or you can get something where you can just check off each day, check off a different chapter of the Bible. I have lots of Bible reading plans that I can give you. 
so that you can be encouraged and strengthened in your faith, so that you can know who these people are in the Old Testament and know who these people are in the New Testament, so that you can grow in your faith and so that then you can endure great suffering and even experience great acts of deliverance. And come along to meetings where the Bible is taught. You being here this morning means you get to hear about these people and get strengthened in your faith. Make sure that you go to meetings where the Bible is taught. We spend so much time getting taught about Hollywood. How much time do you spend getting taught about the Bible and about God? And then you wonder, how can I do things for the Lord? How can I endure such suffering? And then don't stop with the Bible. Could you not be gaining great victories and enduring great suffering because you don't learn about believers in church history as well? See, the thing is, God didn't stop working in God, in God, his people once the New Testament closed. He has continued to act again and again through church history, helping people to suffer and giving great deliverance. To strengthen your faith, read biographies of God's people. Read overviews of church history and what God has done. In the early church, there's a great record of what happened with Fox's Book of Martyrs, which used to be familiar to every English-speaking home. And it's available on the church library, if you'll just take the time to read it, where martyrs, people who willingly went to the stake because they trusted in God, and they can be an encouragement to you. It's a privilege that we have so many good encouragements available to us in printed form. Shops that you can buy books very cheaply at, or the church library as well. And these people can strengthen your faith as you read about them. And don't stop with church history past Get to know what God is doing today as well. It's not like God stopped working in 2015 and he hasn't done anything since. He continues to act and help people to suffer and help people to be delivered from great peril today. How do you find out about current events that are going on with God's people? Well, there's all kinds of newsletters that can come from missionaries and we have them at our own church that they tell us what's going on in their lives and how they're going and that can be a great encouragement to you as well as an opportunity for you to pray for them. But one example is of course the Barnabas Fund magazines that we get here at this church. We support the work of Barnabas Fund which is primarily to encourage brothers and sisters who are persecuted around the world and Barnabas Fund magazines, we get them delivered, they become bi-monthly and they report on what God is doing and how he is helping people to endure great suffering, particularly around this world. Now, we only get a small amount delivered, but it's interesting, not many of them go. When was the last time you read one of our missionary letters or picked up the Barnabas Fund magazine to be encouraged about what God is doing around this world? It only takes a few minutes to flip through even and latch on to a few things that God is doing. And they're a great encouragement to you, particularly in a country like Australia where we don't experience so much persecution, as other parts of the world do, where there's laws, blasphemy laws, for affirming Christ. As you hear about such things, they help you to endure the petty little insults and jeering that you might get from some family members or some friends or your work colleagues when you know what's going on in other parts of the world to God's people. It strengthens your faith. And find out about current events that are happening within your own church as well. 
Join a local church to be strengthened in your faith. And really join it. Know the members. Get to know the people there. Don't just come and go, but get to know them. Why? So that you can be encouraged in your faith as you see what God is doing in their lives. As God is helping them endure great suffering. In the time that I've been here and we're a small church, I've seen some people endure immense suffering that I'm not sure I'd be able to endure. But they have been able to do it. Why? Because they trust in God. They live by faith. And it's a privilege for us to get to know those people and the trials that they're going through. Yes, we come to church to get fed from the Bible. Yes, that's important to learn about what God has done. But it's also important to get to know those people that the word of God has actually created. That's the marvellous thing, that this book actually creates people to be regenerate and to live for his glory. And so wouldn't you be interested in those people that the word of God has brought about to live for God's glory? Get to know people at a local church. If it's not this one, somewhere else. Go somewhere where you can be encouraged as you get to know people's lives. We had a visitor come to our church, and uh, recently they go to another church uh, in another state, but they visited our church, and they made a comment to me that they couldn't believe how long people stayed after the service. Because at their church, people sort of pretty much, in about 15 minutes, the building's empty afterwards. Whereas here, people stick around. Now, why do they do that? It's because they want to get to know one another and so that they can be encouraged themselves and can be an encouragement to others. And that's what I do at the prayer services as well. I try now to get people to talk about what's going on in their lives for prayer points, but also get people up the front and interview them to find out what's going on in their lives so that we can be encouraged about their faith and so that we can have a stronger faith as well. And even today... Why don't you do this? Why don't you stay a little longer and tell someone about one of your heroes of God, one of those people that you admire who lived by faith, whether it be someone in the Old Testament, whether it's someone like David when he fought Goliath, whether it be Daniel. Daniel's an easy one to love because you don't really see many flaws with that guy. And he's a real hero. He's, he's marvellous to admire. Maybe you want to tell someone after church about why you like Daniel so much. Or maybe it's someone in church history that you particularly admire, someone outside the Bible. For me, figures that stand out in my mind in church history that I love would be Jan or Jan or John or John, depending on how you pronounce his name, Huss. He was a Czech reformer. And he was converted, and he was very bold in his declarations of Jesus Christ. But he was burnt at the stake as a result of his faith. I, I remember reading about him in Bible college and being deeply moved at the account of him. Or Martin Luther, who didn't end up dying for the faith, so to speak. He wasn't martyred, but he was delivered a number of times great encouragement to me that you can stand up with all these people there and affirm the word of God as the, as, as the only foundation upon which you stand. At great risk to your life, but then he was delivered from those who would want to kill him. Or maybe one of your heroes is someone who's still alive today, who you know. 
Maybe it's Aishia, I'm not sure how to pronounce it properly, Bibi, who was sentenced to death and has been in prison for eight years in Pakistan. Why is she still in prison today and probably going to be killed in Pakistan? She told her Muslim neighbours, I believe in my religion and in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for the sins of mankind. What did your prophet Muhammad ever do to save mankind? She said that to her Muslim neighbours and she's now being tried under the blasphemy law in Pakistan and has been found guilty and been sentenced to death, has had a series of appeals that have been going on for eight years now. She's still there. She's a hero of the faith. She's someone to admire. She's someone who will strengthen your faith when someone makes a snide remark about you and your faith in Jesus Christ. Who do you admire and strengthen your faith with? Why don't you tell someone at morning tea today who it is? And as you live by faith, and as you get great strengthening from these people, also remember what strengthened them. Never forget that. What strengthened these people? The hope to come, which has been brought out again and again in Hebrews chapter 11, which is why I haven't really gone too much into detail about it today. The inheritance that is to come. We saw it with Abraham. We've seen it with so many of them. They look to that inheritance to come, and that's what's reminded to us in verse 40 as well that God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What is underneath those heroes that have gone before us and are still with us even today in a prison over in Pakistan? It's the hope of something better, a perfection to come, a bodily perfection and a spiritual perfection. Never forget that, that what you admire about these people is their hope, their faith in the God who will one day raise them. Let's come to our God now. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this marvellous chapter of your word, which reminds us that the religion that is by faith in yourself is not a new religion, that many have gone before us and they have done great acts by your power as they trusted in you and that they have endured great suffering by faith as well. Lord, we pray that we would not forget them. But Lord, we pray that we remind ourselves as we read your scriptures of these people and be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. And Lord, we pray that we would not stop there, but we would be encouraged by what you've done in church history as well and what you're doing today around the world and even within our own community here at Moines Baptist. Oh Lord, may we be greatly encouraged as we meet together. And Lord, we pray that we would never forget that it's all about that perfection that is to come, that we are looking forward to something better. And one day we will receive that because we've trusted in Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.